Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hello. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. We did it. The Browns did it. We beat the Bills 19-16 to in an absolute firecracker. <laughs> oh, it's maybe going a step too far. <laughs> the Browns... Um, Muddled through. Hey, you know what? You got to win ugly sometimes. You got to be able to win in tight games that you need to get over the finish line. We've had multiple other games that probably fit a similar description to this one, and we weren't able to put it over the finish line. And we pulled it off. We were down with about five minutes to go, and we drove down and we scored the touchdown that we needed to win the game. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, that, that's what you want late in the fourth quarter. Like, whether it's ugly or it's a shootout, like, you're going to have to score points when it matters late in the fourth quarter to take yourself over the top. The Browns did it. And both sides of the ball had to do their part, too, because we put the ball in the end zone with a minute 45 or so left, and the defense had to do enough to keep them from scoring, which it was close. They had a chance at the field goal to tie it, but still, it was a really tough, that's a tough field goal to make. 53-yard field goal yeah. for the tie. They, like, yeah. all kept them in that position. Is a good position. I'll, I'll be on my side of that opportunity any day. Yeah, absolutely. It was like on the end of that drive where we got the ball with like five minutes, 30 seconds or something yeah. to go. And the announcers were talking about the fact that we needed to show some urgency and nothing frustrated me more. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. we've never run a full five and a half minute drive this entire season. Yeah, no, that was uncalled for. That didn't make any sense. But I, I mean, there was some crazy plays on that. That rewatching that drive in particular and watching the Jarvis Landry catch the over the shoulder like basket the catch adjustment was it was a phenomenal play by both Baker and Jarvis you're talking actually. about the, the final drive the where final he drive. had to readjust yes. in the air yeah yes ridiculous catch I mean there was three guys breathing down Baker's neck and he had to step up in the pocket and threw it off of one foot and just tossed it up there and thinking about that play it fell right in the bucket. Like, it was right where it had to be if Baker was going to throw it to that outside shoulder. And I don't know if that was a miscommunication. I don't know how it came to be, but it fell in the perfect spot for how the play played out. Yeah. Because Jarvis was looking over the other shoulder, and then by the time he looked over, it was right in his breadbasket. If it wasn't right in that spot, that's not a completion. And Yeah, it was second and six at the time. But we got 30-something yards on that play. 20, 24 yards. It felt longer than that. But Oh, my goodness. It well, was a phenomenal play. I mean, that, and that's the play that set us up. In, I mean, that was inside the 10-yard line, I think. Yeah, then we had like a run to yep. Nick Chubb over to the right. And then two plays later, Richard Higgins. Yeah. Touchdown. Touchdown. Who, he was wide open. Because of his route. He just turned the guy around. juked that dude out of his shoes. Who we took advantage of. I think it was Levi Wallace. We took advantage of Levi Wallace the entire day. But it's, but it's situations like that where I love having a guy like Richard Higgins that you, you feel pretty good about. You isolate him on one side, get all of your kind of star power on the left side. Drawing attention. Line, drawing attention. Yeah. And you, you say, I think Richard Higgins can get open. Well, that wasn't even the first read. Guy. Baker looked over to the left. I don't know if it was just a... Uh, he was trying to, to throw them the off, safety. but he looked over to the left to read over there, and he clearly didn't like it, feeling pressure, and then he threw it to Rashard Higgins, who he clearly loves. Like, I want him in the lineup way more often. I want him playing more than he is. The other receivers love him, too. Like, Odell it's such and a Jarvis weird love... situation. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, like, that route's not going to be run as well by um, Callaway. Callaway at this point in his career. No, that's, that's well, not Callaway's... Close route like no close quarters situation like that i want richard feeling it not antonio callaway yeah um so antonio callaway uh was not playing he was inactive for the entire game um curious choice freddie kitchens chose to keep that close to the vest he said that's between me and antonio so don't know what happened there but i'm sure that he will be back sometime soon and then we got our guy kareem hunt he is now a participating member of the Cleveland Browns and quite honestly, a fantastic addition to this team. A valuable piece. <laughs> yes. Um, he had 
seven receptions for 44 yards. He had four carries for 30 yards. But really in the receiving game was where he was most helpful um, to be able to throw the ball to him. There was a critical third down, I think, on that last drive that Kareem It was Hunt like got. a third and seven. Yeah, it was right yeah. after. It was the play after that, like, that fumble that got returned that was actually called a incomplete, you know, the, Correct. the incomplete pass. Um, which, man, oh, man, when that play happened live, Matthew and I just kind of looked at each other and started laughing because <laughs> it was like, oh, yep. Browns just lost it there. All right, that's the game. No, it didn't. It didn't click with me at first that it was an incomplete pass. Right, like the the first m- moment, which I kind of embarrassed that. that well, I, I didn't. It's hard to tell a hand like a fumble. Like it's hard to tell a handoff like a versus a pitch. Yeah. yeah, and it's really just. Nope. Using the rules to your advantage, like that's why you design the play that way. That's because when something goes wrong, it's an incomplete pass. Well, no, the same thing happened to me because I knew what happened in the game, and I ended up watching it today because I didn't get to watch it yesterday. Yeah. And I watched it happen, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like that was a fumble, and they just returned it for a touchdown. Yeah, but when you watch it live, that's I was like, definitely the way it looks. I was like, "What in the world? What's gonna happen here?" And then I like they showed it, and I was like, "Oh, it was a pass," <laughs> but I had no idea when I was watching it live. Well, because it's it's really hard to distinguish a handoff versus like a short little pitch like that when you're watching it live. No, but Kareem Hunt's ability to catch the ball, to run routes and catch the ball, extend it away from his body with his <clears> hands, <throat> and then continue is a weapon. Yes, that that is an unbelievable asset. We we saw him do that that out route for that third down conversion. We saw it earlier in the game where he, he um, kind of came out of the backfield and ran like a an out and in um ended up coming up short because it was kind of congested in there but got six seven yards on it would have been a third down conversion if it wasn't so congested like that's going to be an asset for this team going forward and i was worried about how our offensive staff would utilize him as a weapon because frankly we've got some weapons and they haven't kind of been utilized but you know the one thing that freddie's been able to do well in the going back to last year, is multiple running backs. Like, it was a large part of the success last year was when we had Duke Johnson and Nick Chubb on the field together, sometimes even with Hilliard. Like, that produced lots of results. He's coached running backs. Like, I, I think that's a little bit of a comfort zone is, like, utilizing those skill sets. That's, and I, That's fine with me because we have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Especially and, if Kareem Hunt's going to block the, the way, the he way that he was blocking. It was unreal. I mean, and if you think about prior to this, in this season, the first eight games, we had the likes of Pharaoh Brown in that situation, which, like, you flex Pharaoh Brown out to catch a pass, and it's nowhere near the same threat as Kareem Hunt. Like, the opportunities you have with Kareem Hunt in that situation is so much, so much better than what we've been oh, dealing and with I mean, thus far. It's awesome. Kareem Hunt has to be pleased with how he was utilized because he had the second most touches besides Nick Chubb. He had 11 touches in the game. Um, oh, he was... His attitude and, like, excitement level over just, like, being in the game and playing in Cleveland in front of, like, family and near his hometown, like, was awesome. It was, like, some of the... my. I think it was my favorite thing I saw post game. I mean, he was just overjoyed to be a part. Like, I did not get any sense that he's going to be complaining, even if he only got, like, half the touches he got in this particular game, which it will be interesting to see going forward because it was a complete wild card. Like, it had to be horrible for the Bills trying to prepare for what we would do with Kareem Hunt. Now we've got some tape. It'll be interesting to see how the Browns are treated going forward and whether we have such a heavy dose of him um, in upcoming weeks. Well, I don't know what you do as an opposing defensive coordinator because if he's in the backfield, you, you don't want to be in a light set, right? You want a number of linebackers on the field or somebody that you feel good tackling in space against Kareem Hunt. But then you motion him out to motion him out wide. Suddenly you don't want now your middle linebacker out there or outside linebacker yeah. out there covering, covering him necessarily because yep. he's going to use that to his advantage. Just a straight up in receiver with the point. personnel we have on offense without a tight end that we feel great about running routes and catching passes. We can get a lot of the same efficiencies 
um, mismatch-wise, using Kareem Hunt in a creative way, motioning him out of the backfield, lining him up out wide, bringing him back into the backfield, doing different things that I think is going to help Baker Mayfield help this offense going forward. You know, another thing I've – and in a lot of ways it seemed like a reaction to what happened last week where there was obvious points where Odell was open that we just didn't even feed him. But we fed OBJ the ball in this game. And in watching it back, I felt this way after the game was over and we watched it live, but especially after like watching it again, it definitely seemed like that kept the defense honest. And they probably were just going to, you know, keep, um, what's his face? Their star Tredavious corn. White. Tredavious White on him, like shadowing him the entire, entire game. But it was clear that they had a lot of attention on OBJ and it resulted in a huge day for everybody else. For Nick Chubb, for Jarvis Landry, and for Kareem Hunt. And it, like those and it, guys just ate. And it still could have been a big day for o- OBJ. If if we hit, he's open on the first play of the game. Right. If, if Baker doesn't overthrow him, he drops a he, ball. He drops a couple later. balls. Tredavious White makes really good plays um, after Odell catches it, yeah. ma- making a play in his but arm you, or making a play on the ball. Like some of those come through for us. Odell has a big day, and everybody else has a big day. Right. And I think that the Bills see that too and are like the threat is real <laughs> of, of OBJ. Oh, yeah. But it's not as real if you only target him five times in a game. You know, I think he had 11 targets in this game. And we, he, he, needs, he needs to have around 10 targets per game. Like that's just a must. Yeah. Whether he catches only 50% of them or whether he catches 80% of them. And he was effective in the red zone. I mean, for all of the frustration that that first drive, that drive that ended in a turnover on downs in the yep. red zone was, Odell beat his guy twice, and and it would have been touchdowns had it not been for defensive penalties, which yeah. shows that they were terrified of him in the first place, yeah. and they were like, on first down, yeah, just hold him. Yeah, like credit to the defense, like they made the smart play there, yeah. and we need to punch it in and make him pay for it. But Odell was effective in the red zone. The Browns were effective on those plays in the red zone and should have been able to convert otherwise. So you just brought it up. It was the punching line, the punchline for the Browns on Twitter across the NFL on Sunday. We had eight plays goal, that were goal to go, and we couldn't score a score touchdown. Hasn't happened in like 20 years or something like that. Yeah. Do you think the play calling was bad? Like, What, what are your thoughts? thoughts and reactions to that particular sequence so watching it live i was less concerned about the play calling than than going back to watching it we did not we diversified the play calls we 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 passed it we ran it we there was somewhat different formations i didn't particularly hate the play calls. going back and watching it the the thing that bothers me there's two things we ran it uh, along the right side Four out of the five of the running five runs. runs were to the right, which, which is, is the weak side of our... Weaker side of our offensive line, definitely the weaker side of our run blocking on our offensive line. The second thing I didn't like is the way that we ran it. It was a lot of like pitches to Nick Chubb where we're, we're, it's not power runs, right? It's not the offensive line. It's, it's a pitch to Chubb, and then he kind of... It's a zone. He has to find the hole, find the do whatever... If you're on the one-yard line, especially with a guy like Nick Chubb, who routinely pushes the pile, we saw it on the play that got us to the goal line, you just need to go, go ahead, and you need to pile drive, and if you need to pull a guard late behind or pull some, a tight end from the other side and push, like you do that a couple times, you're going to get in the end zone. So you're definitely the, not going to lose yardage the way that we lost yardage. Absolutely. got farther away. And the other thing that really drove me nuts, and it drove me nuts even whenever it happened live, was on the fourth down, when it's fourth and goal, we just went power. After we'd been dominated up front the entire time, our advantage is in spreading out the defense. And our advantage is having Odell Beckham that we can put out on the field. He wasn't even on the field on fourth down. Like, how in the world are we... like? We were getting beat at the line of scrimmage on those four running plays that we had run up until that point. And then we decided to just go power and try to bang it in there when we had demonstrated that we weren't able to do that 
and it was just obviously set to fail in my opinion whenever you just prescribed and if you're going to do that go power like maybe you have a maybe you like fake it and throw it to a tight end that's leaking out or something else like but i don't think we stood much of a chance at all whenever you just tried to run it right up the gut against that yeah especially not in the way that we did it right because you're relying on your offensive line to to really open up a hole instead of just kind of like moving the the, the whole pile together yeah. which i feel like our offensive line isn't really super adept at opening up holes necessarily. Well, they right. weren't. They weren't just pushing the pushing the pile either. I'm also not worried about this going forward. Like when we get to no. to to first first and goal from the one, I'm not gonna be like, oh, we can't we oh, can't do this. Have like seven straight plays. Like it, we don't get in the end zone. It's just so unfortunate, unlucky. Credit to the defense. Like we choked. Whatever. This isn't something that's going to be habitual. This isn't something that's repeatable necessarily. Our offensive line run blocking issues are potentially, but we'll figure out a way to get into the end zone. Um, I tend to agree. I think what will really help, and I'm not, this isn't particularly an original idea. I've heard Pete say this multiple times, and I agree, is having Njoku back. It oh, just keeps absolutely. the defense so much more honest. You have Njoku sure. on the end of the line, and like, who knows what he's going to do? Like, the defense cannot just like play run whenever have- there's a tight end at the end of the line if it's Njoku, and he just can spread things out. You can move him around. Like, you put Njoku and Kareem Hunt in there, and it's like that's pretty scary. Yeah, we've got, we've got options, and see, like, like you you take Tre'Davious White off the field, who made a great play against Beckham on on that fade route. That's a touchdown against a different corner, right? Great play by yeah, the that defender. That was a great pass, right? in OBJ's hands, he had it. Just great play by the defense. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm I, not worried about it going forward. It's annoying that it that it happened in this game, but I take it away as a positive. Like we we moved the ball, we dominated, we we got down into these scoring positions, and Buffalo didn't do that against us nearly as well as we did. And the final score ended up being three points. But it could have been could have been much more, especially if we had recovered that crazy Josh Allen fumble at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. That was- with the most athletic <laughs> right guard fumble recovery I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he thought he was so convinced that he got into the end zone. Oh, poor John Feliciano. <laughs> he just was- thought he had made the play of his life. And he still did. It just wasn't oh. for seven points. Yeah. I, I that ball was out for quite some time. Oh, and it's just sitting there. It was just sitting there. And oh my gosh, the things we go through. So, big picture though, like in this game and in the Denver game, quite frankly, we haven't had the penalties that we've been seeing throughout the rest of the season. We only had four in this game like, for a lot of yardage, but that's because but that Denzel's, was because of the first yeah. Denzel like quasi pass interference, and we which, had a roughing the passer, which is another fifteen. Yeah. And so the Denzel pass interference, it was 70 yards, but only four penalties. I don't think that Denzel pass interference really was, but whatever, to each his own. But if this is getting fixed, right, like we've said throughout the rest of the season, like if we can just fix these penalties, like if we don't have quite so many, if we're not so undisciplined, with that injunction, with how easy our strength of schedule is throughout the rest of the season, like it it really is legitimate to think that we could make a push. We can make a run. It's all going to be dependent on this next upcoming game Thursday night against the Steelers. Yeah. I mean, if you're not beating yourself, it makes it so much easier to win. And we've, we've largely cut out some of the stupid penalties. Like the Denzel Ward pass interference. That's not, that's not a dumb penalty. Like that's, that's one that you'll live with. You're fine. The other two, if I remember right, is a Chris Hubbard false start. And then it was a holding that offset uh, a Buffalo holding penalty on a Josh Allen scramble, a gotcha. defensive holding. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's a competition penalty, I'll take right? four penalties like, a game every time. Yeah. That's fine. No. We, we did that well, and we didn't turn the ball over, which is something that we've been doing. Um, which neither did they. If, if, if we didn't force any turnovers and we turned the ball over, we'd probably lose this game. Like, that's, that would be the difference. Yeah. We if, can't do it. If that Baker Mayfield oh, yeah. if that shuffle pass. A handoff that Kareem Hunt dropped. Yeah, we, we lose. Yeah, no, 
I am pretty encouraged by the fact that the penalties are getting better and we're taking care of the ball better. If that continues to be the case, I think we're going to find ourselves winning most of the games down the stretch. I mean, because that's something we did down the stretch last year. That was one of the major reasons why we turned around. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, I actually took a look at um, what our rankings look like because those two things are so indicative of winning. Like, if you look at um, turnover differential, I mean, the Browns were just forcing turnovers last year that we aren't forcing in this, at the same rate this year. And so I decided to look. I was like, all right, well, how are we ranking? And the Browns are fifth to last. So that's, what, 27th in the NFL in turnover differential right now? They are 28th, ahead of only the Bengals, the Falcons. You all right over there? The Dolphins <laughs> and the Giants. What am I doing? <laughs> Just having a really hard time getting words out. You're having a lot but, of like between I'm the tired. burpsies and yeah, the yeah. hiccups. Sorry. How many beers have you had, Michael? Not enough. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Keep going. We're minus eight in turnover differential. And last year we were plus seven at the end of the year. So we're minus eight, which is 28th in the NFL. And last year we were eighth in the NFL in turnover differential. It makes a big difference. And the Steelers, it's the biggest reason the Steelers are winning football games. They're plus 13 right now in turnover differential. The Patriots are the only team better. I mean, the Steelers aren't that good. Particularly on offense, and no, they Steelers, are five and four right now. Steelers' offense is miserable. Um, they forced, I think, four turnovers on the Rams yesterday, and one of them was returned for a touchdown. That was one of their touchdowns, and then outside of that, they only scored. What was it twelve points? Oh, they're not scoring points. points. No, they they cannot convert on offense. Mason Rudolph throws to the running backs, and he throws like short crossing routes across the middle of the field. And those are the only routes he's dangerous on. When we look towards this game next week, I am so excited to see our corners just man up against our wide receivers and just like make Mason Rudolph make throws. That has made a big difference, having Greedy and Denzel back. Our defense looks so much better. It makes all the difference. It's incredible. I mean, they're making plays on the football over and over again. And we did benefit from Josh Allen not being particularly accurate. There was a few plays, like the Demarius Randall like, breakup in the end zone, where like if the ball gets thrown earlier or more accurate, like it's a touchdown. Sure, but Josh Allen, also like you take the good with the bad. He also had some throws where it's like there's like five quarterbacks in the league who could fit the ball in that window. He threw some darts, for sure. He's got a cannon. He's got a candidate. No you know one can argue I, that. Speaking of um, our secondary, Demarius Randall also played, I think, probably his best game of the year yesterday. What did you see? That- I mean, if all three of those guys play to their potential, Demarius Randall, we've seen a lot. He was consistent in tackling. Um, he was decent in coverage, had his pass breakups, and just otherwise didn't <laughs> mess up. Didn't stand out as being a problem. So it wasn't so much that he was particularly good it was that he didn't have I mean, anything bad that's i think that out. pass breakup is yeah yeah pretty clutch play but i also think that generally is how it goes for someone in the secondary if you don't notice him very often it means that they're doing their job and the ball's probably not getting put their way very often um so changing gears a little bit so if duke johnson plays in one more game for the Houston Texans, then our draft pick will be a third-round draft pick instead of a fourth-round draft pick, which how the Texans are doing right now is going to be a huge difference. Like a late fourth compared to a late third, big difference in the pick. So we're all cheering for Duke Johnson to My stay My question healthy. is, was it worth it for the Texans? Oh, no. Of course like not. a third-round no. draft pick. No, absolutely not. They haven't used them like barely at all. And then they got Carlos Hyde. It's hilarious that they have both of our old running backs. Was it worth it for, what's-his-face, Bill um, Bill O'Brien to get, you know, another year or so of a job? Because, like, this buys you just, like, an extra time, right? Oh, yeah. You're going to be okay. It just kind of kicks the can down the road a little bit longer. It's like an extra six mil for Bill O'Brien. I know. It's 
it's a good chunk of change. Like for yeah. Bill O'Brien, the Why man that made the do? decision, yeah, it probably was worth it. Well, it's the same thing he did with the Laramie Tunsil trade. Man, oh man. So that'll be great. I wonder. But I will say the Browns have missed Duke Johnson. Like what we saw from Kareem Hunt in this game is a lot of what Duke Johnson brings to the table. And if we had had Duke Johnson in the first eight games, I am confident in saying it would have made a significant difference to our offense's efficiency. Well, I mean, you see just like the quality difference in a, a Kareem Hunt versus a Dontrell Hilliard. Like when you, you have those guys on the field in a, a third down back. Somebody role. that can consistently pass like, protect. And, and Duke like, Johnson is do different between things. them. Somewhere. And Nick Chubb's role is not catching passes. It's so nice to have a running back that can catch passes out of the backfield or move into the slot and run around. And that's just not Nick Chubb's skill set. He just can't. He just doesn't. Yeah. And to have that guy, that versatility, it adds a whole new dynamic. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely think it would be foolish for us to say that Duke Johnson wouldn't have helped us in these first eight games in particular. Um, I think it was a sacrifice to to get rid of him. And I Well Yeah, well that's a different question. Was it worth it for the Browns or was right. it worth it for the Texans? Like for the Texans, definitely not, because they haven't used him to the same extent right. that we didn't use him. But And, you know, a big reason the Browns did get rid of him is because they thought Duke Johnson was looking to get out. You know, Duke Johnson well, I mean, wanted he, out. He asked like for he, a trade. He asked for a trade. So right? you but when somebody asked for a trade, like the Gennard Avery situation, you've you've got to I mean, if they're not a, a pivotal piece on your team, that you're like the foundation of your team, you have to move them. Like you're you're not going to keep a malcontent in the <laughs> locker room, yeah, just to prove a point, so you can use him ten plays a game. So, anyways, it kind of sucks though. It does, but I mean, I get it from Duke's standpoint when oh. he sees us sign Kareem Hunt, like, yeah. Oh, I get it from like Gennard no Avery's standpoint, too. Like, is it, I'm not being used. It makes sense. Um, all right, let's look ahead, ahead to Pittsburgh a little bit more. Um, what are you guys seeing from that game? What are going to be the keys? Obviously, turnovers. If we can keep Pittsburgh from stealing the ball from Baker Mayfield, if we can limit that, their offense can't do much. But what do you guys think? I mean, their defense is by far the strength of their team. Like, by far the strength of their team. Their secondaries, that Minka Fitzpatrick trade has really worked out for them this year. He has five interceptions since, since he came over. I think he scored three touchdowns already, which is crazy. He has arguably single-handedly won them a, a, a game or two um, at this point. I mean, they're, they're strong at every level of their defense, to be honest. I mean, like Devin Bush is playing well. They don't have much outside Devin of Devin Bush, Bush, Bush at solid. linebacker. Um, Stephon Tuitt is, is out for the year. So I think their probably interior defensive line is a little weaker than it has been in the past. But you've already got Cam Hayward. You've got Javon Hargrove with that ass. <laughs> Man, that is the best badonk dunk I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's it's um it's it's a marvel. To, I to like look at. It. it. Really is. It makes me happy to watch the Steelers <laughs> play every time I see see that thing. Michael's an ass man. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> No, but the, the Steelers' defense is playing well. I mean, T.J. Watt is who you expect him to be, a, a really, really good energetic pass rusher. I think Bud Dupree's having a better season than, than he has in, in previous years. Um, watching that game against the Rams, the Rams just looked inept and overwhelmed by the, the Steelers' defense. And the Rams just couldn't stretch the field, which, which was strange. I mean, Brandon Cooks was out. They is it because the offensive line was like a yeah. sieve? I mean, Austin Corbett started at left guard for them um, and was a disaster, as you would expect. Um, a couple penalties. So sad. I want Austin Corbett. Like, I want actually Austin Corbett to be. Okay. Sometimes kinda... I trade. We trade away players, and I like hope that they're bad, so that like it doesn't look bad on the Browns yeah. for giving up on them. Austin Corbett's the uh, the op other. I don't know why I treat it differently, but he seems like a good kid that's trying. And just, it's not he working out. He just kind of looked like, like the doughy fat kid out there trying to play left guard. And yeah. like, you've kind of Man. looked the part, but aren't really doing great. Poor guy. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they overran the Rams offensive line. 
Um, it was bad. Jared but Goff like, couldn't complete passes, like even screen passes to his running back. If we're being honest, like how much better is the Browns' offensive line? Like, are we going to be overworked too? Are we going to have a hard time like testing the Steelers' defense? I think our offensive line is is not the strength of our team, but I think it's better than that Rams' current version of our their offensive line. I mean, yeah. we they're Austin Corbin, a player Austin Corbin that we willingly gave away. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, fair point. I think that's fair that's point. About all you need to know. Um, but Joe Hayden had a great game. Had three pass defenses, an interception. Good for him. Um, Joe's one of good. those guys I want to be good. I love Joe. Yeah, Joe's a good guy. Um, but good yeah, gators. Steelers, a confounding team. How does okay? Tell me more about Mason Rudolph. I, I want to hear because I haven't gotten to watch much Mason Rudolph. I want to hear. It seems to me, from an outside perspective, not having to watch a bunch, not having watched a bunch of games, that the Steelers must think Mason Rudolph is good because of their trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, because of how old Big Ben is. He's not going to be around forever, and they just traded away their first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. They must be like, all right, we got our guy. So up to this point, he's not turning the ball over at a at a high rate. I think he only has four interceptions on the year to 12 touchdowns. He's been real conservative and great. keeps everything like short, right? He, he doesn't stretch keeps the ball everything down. short. Running backs catching a lot of passes, tight ends catching a lot of passes. Loves the crossing routes across the middle. Hit, hits those all day. Looks like he would have a rocket arm. Does not have a rocket arm. Is <laughs> is not working the sidelines really at all. Um in this Rams game, there were two Two passes that should have been intercepted that weren't. One got called back on an irrelevant defensive penalty in another part of the field, and the other was just dropped by the Rams defensive player. Um, I don't think he's comfortable throwing into tight windows. I don't think he's really super comfortable throwing with anticipation. Um, what I want to see the Browns do is man up on the, the Steelers' wide receivers. James Conner might be back. Make Mason Rudolph throw into hard places to to not open to receivers who have a guy next to them. Don't don't let them find an open zone and let Mason Rudolph just like drop a drop a lob. You think Steve O. Wilkes will do that? I don't know. I hope so. I've, we've been playing a lot more man coverage since they both uh, came back. Since Denzel Greedy and Denzel are back, back, which. I mean, makes complete Which sense. Is how our I, team I completely is built. understand why you would be doing that, but man, oh man, I, I to me it seems like as simple. It seems like so rudimentary, and we know how much turnovers correlate to wins. But if we take care of the ball, I feel like we should beat the Steelers. Yeah, if you can man up, true man on wide receivers on the outside, why would you not? Well, that's what that is like. The coup de ca of like creating a team. If you can have both your corners be true man coverage, that's what you do. Yeah, and that's what's kept the Steelers. I mean, Steelers have probably overperformed expectations, and it's because of their turnover differential. Yeah. Their defense is forcing turnovers. They're not really turning the ball over on offense, and that's kept them in games, and they've won some close games. It's true. In other fantastic Browns news this week since our last podcast, the Browns re-signed J.C. Treader. Yes! We did it. What we've been waiting for, the one... I mean... Do we have two the, offensive linemen under contract for the next year? <laughs> one most important re-signing that needed to happen. I mean, it would have really frustrated me if we'd made it to the end of the season and hadn't re-signed J.C. Treader. There's been a bunch of other centers that have been re-signed in the last few months, and it just seemed like there was so much opportunity for them to use those contracts as like a baseline, and like there seemed to be no excuse for them to not re-sign J.C. Treader, and they did it. And I'm at, honestly, I'm pretty pleased at the length of the contract. I think it's, you know, near the upper tier of what I would have been comfortable with, but it's kind of you know what it is what it is he waited he was patient and he got it's right it's right where i would expect it to be for a guy who it's what 3 years is, 32 and change yeah it's like right around 11 million per I mean, year it's it's on the lower end of that like group of 5 
centers who all just recently signed or re-signed with their teams. Yeah, Rodney Hudson got like the most lucrative deal. The one thing that um, this deal does have is more guaranteed dollars than a lot of the other ones do. How are they? How are they structured? How are they spread out? Do we know yet? We don't know. I haven't. At least I haven't seen it, and it's not on like Spotrack or any of those places that I typically find the specifics of the deals. Because I believe it's twenty three million guaranteed, which would would roughly correlate to the first two years of the deal. If it's if it's structured in that way, which if the signing bonus isn't tremendous, it could be a situation where it's a two year deal with an easy out for the third. If he's injured or we have a replacement or he's just not playing up to the contract at that point. Yeah, I mean, so he's that deal that he just signed J.C. Treaders at if you're just looking at average annual value. He's just shy of eleven million at ten point eight three, and that puts him at number five overall paid center in the NFL. Which he's a top ten center in the NFL. I would, I would say. And when you re-sign somebody, you always have to pay top dollar. You're always going to move to the top of the market. Yep. So, like honestly, that's not a bad spot. No, I, I, I think I, it's I a think it's fair great. market value deal. Yeah, for for a guy like Jay Z Trader and. The rest of our offensive line, we're not going to be spending any money on unless we go out into free agency and sign and sign a guy. But I imagine we're starting a, a bunch of rookies and second-year players next year. Yeah, and Wyatt Teller potentially will be a, a third-year player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but not making any money. Right. So why not shore up the interior of your offensive line? Feel pretty good about that. And I agree. Have something to build on for the next couple of years. So, yeah, no, I'm really happy because if we did not have that short up, imagine ha- going into next year without any offensive line positions like really solidified except for Joel Batonio. Poor Joel. Oh, man. So I, that was an absolute must in my opinion. I wonder ha- if they're even talking to Joe Schobert. Joe Schobert's the only other one that is coming up that I would like to see them resign. Um, Demarius Randall's probably in the conversation, you know, as well, but I, that is not a concern of mine at this particular junction. I want them to resign Joe Schobert so badly. Same. So I'm hoping that they're diverting their attention in that towards him now. Uh, but we'll see. I'm just worried. We've seen some big linebacker contracts come out like a CJ Mosley deal. But that was free agency. But Joe Schobert's white. I know, but Joe Schobert is going to want a comparable deal. Like, if he's going to hit free agency, that's why I want to move right now before he hits. Like, if he hits the free market, I'm probably not going to want to re-sign him. I mean, we've got, so. But, like, if we we let Joe Schobert walk, what sort of situation are we in right now? Because we're going to let Kirksey walk, too. You might not. I mean, I think it would be smart to. I agree with you. But you're going to roll with just Mac and Taki Taki? <laughs> I hate that. I, I absolutely hate that. I know. That's why I say, like, if you but do... Let's to, but where would you want us you, to spend our money? If you let Kirko go and you reallocate that money towards Schobert... That's, that's what that's I a, would vouch a, for. A less of a hit. On the other side, if... It gives you more long-term flexibility. If you can't get a deal with Schobert, you keep Kirko for that final year. Feel like you have a decent linebacker. If only for one more year. I think it's more than one more year. I think he's got two more years, but you have an easy out. But you can get an easy out. Um, The latest middle linebacker contract, Bobby Wagner, 18 a year. C.J. Mosley, 17 a year. Miles Jack, 14.25. He's more of a Miles Jack type contest. Deion Jones, 14.25. Quan Alexander, 13.5. He's in that 13 or 14 range. That's what it's going to be. That is a crap ton of money for a Joe Schobert. And that's why it's not been done probably yet. It's just a lot. That is a tough pill to swallow. Like I I like Joe Schobert. I love having him on my football team. But what does Joe Schobert do for our defense just about more than everyone else? Like, if we take a significant downgrade at the middle linebacker position, 
Like he he has more tackles than anyone else on our team. If he misses like three or four of those a game, that's a huge bummer. If you're not paying your middle linebacker a ton of money, like I don't know who you're paying your defensive end, you're paying your middle linebacker. That's my opinion. No one is more directly related, and especially the way that he plays. He plays in pass coverage all the time. No one's more directly related to almost every single play and pre-snap and everything than our middle linebacker. I love that guy. I would love for us to sign him, but I agree. It, it expo- the numbers you just threw out there explain why it's a challenging situation. And so we'll see. The thing is, is I'm just, I am curious what he would garner if he goes to free agency. Like, does somebody How does the spend rest of the fifteen million? Value? Does someone else spend fifteen million a year on? I don't think they do. Joe Schobert. I don't know. That's why I think you call the bluff. Like I don't think he's he's not sexy like C.J. Mosley or Bobby Wagner or even Miles Jack. I think I'm gun shy about that situation. But Quan Alexander got thirteen point five on th- the free market coming off an injury. Right. I'd rather have Joe Schobert than Quan Alexander. I think I'm gun shy about that situation irrationally because of like what happened with like the Mitchell Schwartz situation, you know, where we had a deal that was like equivalent to what he ended up signing with another team. And it's like sometimes people get offended and they just kind of like emotionally move on and decide to go elsewhere when they don't feel the love from the team. When you know what I mean? Once you let them get to free agency, it's just seems pretty rare that they want to jump back. Yeah, no. It seems like a foregone conclusion once you actually get to that point. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I think the decision's already been made. I mean, you saw it in Minnesota. What's his face with the linebacker? Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr. It's like the only time I think I've ever seen that happen. Yeah, but he got signed by the... He agreed to a deal with the Jets, and then he was like, oh, wait. (laughs) No, I I don't want to be here. I have made a ginormous yeah. mistake. Hey, Minnesota, you want to basically match this situation? <laughs> a bunch I of got? people sent him the Adam Gase crazy eyes yeah. press video, and he's like, oh, oh, wait. That's going to be my head coach. Speaking of Jets, did you see uh, Mike Tannenbaum, former Jets GM, this week um, was asked after the LSU Alabama game? Um, he's working for ESPN now as their front office insider. Mm-hmm. So he was asked. Uh, for his expert opinion on Joe Burrow versus Tua. Sure. Like, who, who did he think? And he answered Justin Herbert because, because he's big-bodied and looks like Ben Roethlisberger. That's hilarious. And you wonder why he's working for ESPN. In, in, a, in a time where the league is, like, shifting away from the, the stigma that quarterbacks have to be 6'6", Right, we've seen Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray go number one in back-to-back years. Mike Tannenbaum would choose Justin Herbert because he's tall. Mike Tannenbaum, Mel Kiper clone. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's That's just hilarious. hilarious. It. I was. I have been thinking about Justin Herbert though. The dude was like a lock to be a top five pick oh, if un- he came out last no, year. No, and that's that's not a knock on Justin Herbert. Like I like Justin Herbert a lot. The, like, the justification for liking Justin Herbert because he's six six, yeah, is absurd. The whole her, the whole um, Joe Burrow Tua thing though is super interesting. Tua didn't look good in that game, right? But I he was hurt. But he's he looked, hurt. He looked he's pretty like, damn good. And then that he final was pass, pretty good. Like, and he was definitely banged up. Like he could hardly walk after the game. Like he was really hobbling. Like the dude was gutting it out and Have was you, making big play after big play. Did, did y'all see what like the procedure that he had done? They like literally drill two holes through both of the bones in your ankle and like sew them together to like latch them together. He had surgery. Yeah, like two and a half weeks ago. That's crazy. They literally drilled two holes through his tibia and fibula to oh, tibia that's crazy. and fibula, whatever fibula. Yes. Um, to like stabilize it, to like hold it together because it's a high ankle sprain. It's ridiculous. Ooh, I don't like that. I know. I. Why was he playing? I have no idea. LSU? I also don't feel like it's a good long. Like I'm not a medical doctor at all. I have no idea what the long term consequences mm-hmm. are. It just doesn't 
feel like they could be good. No. I mean, no. it's the same angle Nick, he's bet, been having issues with for a couple of years now. No, bet, it's the other one. I bet Nick Saban. It is? Yeah. Oh. Which is Nick, probably even worse, right? Yeah, <laughs> you have two bum ankles. Yeah. Nick probably made him do it. He didn't want to. He didn't want to go out there, and Nick made him do it. Because he's the worst. All right, Michael, you got our lines for us? Yeah, I took a tumble last week. Um, I picked opposite Matthew and Mark and just about everyone. And I lost both uh, the Thursday night and the Sunday night game. And then the Browns game, we picked it at three points Browns advantage, and uh, that ended up being a wash because the Browns won by three. So at any rate. So wait, so you were 0-2 and, and me and Matthew were both 2-0. Correct. Okay. Correct. And so heading into this week, since the Browns are playing Thursday night against the Steelers, um, we're only going to pick two games, the Thursday night and Sunday night game. Pittsburgh heading to Cleveland. The Browns at the moment are favored by two and a half points. Thursday nighter. We've only got a few days before we're watching our brownies again. Mark, I'm going to let you pick this one first. I'm going with our brownies. I can't believe... I went against them last week. It was a huge mistake. Didn't end up biting me in the butt, but the hope is back. The hope is alive. I am ready to be hurt again, and I am going to go with the Browns. I, um, I'm hoping that we can continue this trend and not turning the ball over. Um, from just hearing, Matthew, the way that you're talking about the Steelers' offense, it doesn't scare me. If we can actually put together a full, complete game with our offensive defense like we saw against the Ravens, whenever we beat them by 15 points. And I think we have a focus on beating our AFC North rivals. Um, obviously we would, but I, I, I'm hoping we go 6-0 and in the division. And we beat the, we, we beat the Steelers, and then we're going to beat them again in three weeks. If we have a prayer of making the playoffs, we're that's going to have to happen. So um, one thing I didn't mention when we were talking about the game, and another thing that gives me optimism about the Browns going forward is that I saw a level of confidence in our like third down execution that I haven't seen since last year. On since last year, yeah, like until this, uh, up until this point in the season, it is I have felt very unsure of the Browns' ability to execute on third down, and time and time again, the Browns moved the chains on third down, even in third and long situations, and. I'm hoping that that momentum carries over. Like Baker just needs to be playing in rhythm. And I saw it a lot more in this game than I have at any point in the season against a good Bills defense. And so um, I'm going to pick the, pick the Browns. I feel pretty decent about it. Yeah, I'm picking the Browns. I think Kareem Hunt brings a, a much-needed alternate dynamic to our offense. Um, Steelers can't score points. I think the Browns are able to score enough points if we protect the ball. Going Browns. There she is. And so the last game we'll pick this week is the Sunday night game, the Chicago Bears, heading to Los Angeles to face the Rams, coming off of a fresh loss to the Steelers. And the Rams are favored by seven points. That's an interesting game. <laughs> Neither one of these teams are playing up to the expectations they had going into the year. Mitch Trubisky is just completely spiraling down the drain. And Jared Goff is taking a similar trajectory in some ways, but just nowhere near as drastic. Remember when people were mad that we didn't draft Trubisky? We took Miles Garrett instead. Oh, I remember. I wasn't mad. But there there was a contingent. That would have been awful. Mitch. That would have been the most Brownsy thing. I mean, Rams by seven. That Chicago defense. Man. I mean, I'm going to jump in here. I'm taking Chicago. I don't, I don't trust the Rams uh, right now. This is going to be a low-scoring game, and in a low-scoring game, seven points is a lot. <sighs> I, Mark. too, am taking Chicago. Um, I, I don't, exactly like you just said, I don't trust the Rams. I think that they've been... Less, they're not the team that they were last year, and that um, Bears defense is really, really, really good. Um, I think I like Haha Clinton Dix. I liked their secondary, and I like crap. 
What's that? I you wanted to take the Bears too? Well, I hate picking the same thing across the board for like both of the games. And if what we're talking about, the Steelers were just dominating their front, and now we're talking about the Bears, and the Rams have a seven-point advantage. Like, hard, how, hard how, are they gonna, how are they going to cover those seven points? Like, I just, I mean, unless they come out with a completely different game plan, they figure out but something. You, you want to win, Michael. I know. But I think I have to pick the Bears. Or, or you could go further in the hole <laughs> and just push it to another week. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Bears. I just can't. All right. I, I won't feel good I'll about. I'll still be in the lead next week. <laughs> Tune in next week to see how it's shifted. Uh, All right. That's super boring, but that's just I, I'm going with reason. But do you actually think that anyone's listening to our podcast and being like, oh, Michael's gaining ground on Matthew. Oh, no, I I'm think so when excited. we start making the picks, I think everybody turns it off. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I have. I actually don't trust you if you listen to this part of the pod. That's hilarious. Um, well, if you are still listening, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. Um, be sure to hit us up on Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers, Instagram at Sin of Our Fathers. Send us an email sinofourfathers at gmail.com thank you so much for listening everybody we really appreciate you tell a friend if you like the pod um go browns go 10 browns. and 6 starts this thursday go browns